1: And may the works this day be of the highest good for all present and those listening. So mote it be. The circle is cast.
0: Hail Dictinus! Grant us clear voices, strong sound, and good reads. She's got it. Yeah, baby, she's got it. Well, I'm your Venus. I'm your fire. What's your desire? Welcome to Celestial Bodies Venus, the 129th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of 1970s Dutch rock band, Shocking Blue. Thanks to Velocity Rose for our intro music, you can find more of their work at VelocityRose.com. You may call me Ode.
2: You can call me Carr, and I finally came up with a good intro. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Merry meet. My name is Gwyn, Ode's mother, and I only know the Bananarama version. <laughs>
0: All right, housekeeping.
2: Oh, yeah, so I do a Zoom call every Sunday from 2 p.m. till 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It has no meaning and no direction whatsoever, just a bunch of people hanging out. Recently, we've been spending money, I guess, on, uh, <laughs> on finding websites that have cool shit on it and posting it so everybody else can see it, um, including this week's uh, Sword of the Month Club.
1: Uh-huh. So. <laughs> Streaking Fate says all the money, <laughs> But all the also fun. all the
0: fun. Yeah
1: car uses his Google foo for evil and that's
2: and then um also I do a YouTube video series mm-hmm. called three Pagans on Tap with Sarenth Odinson and Malik Odinson where we talk about alcohol and how it relates to our pagan paths mm-hmm. and that is every other Tuesday so that is not this Tuesday tomorrow mm-hmm. but the Tuesday after.
1: And we have new patrons?
2: Oh, we do. Yep, Samwise the Blonde is our newest hunter.
1: Welcome to Samwise the Blonde. Mm-hmm. Is that all our housekeeping? I that is. So other than to scared. say we love all of our listeners, our patrons, and everybody.
2: Yes. Yep. yes, we do.
1: We do, we do. So that's it for housekeeping. That is
2: it for housekeeping. Excellent. So that means we're house-capped. And, and
0: house-swept. Perfect. Now we can continue with our Celestial Body series, where we talk about stuff in space. That's right. <laughs> and we always start these episodes with a look a Science Corner. And obviously... Oh, talking... Science
1: Corner! <laughs> oh. <laughs> we're talking about the planet Venus. Yes. I learned a lot about Venus in, for this episode. There was so mm-hmm. much shit about Venus, I was like, Wah. I learned
2: absolutely nothing about Venus for this episode. <laughs> I did, on the other hand, come up with a great car table.
0: The Venus is... <laughs> <laughs> Those of you who can't see us in the vocal, Carr has just turned to me, put his elbows on the table, and his chin in his hands like, tell me science, Ode. (laughs) From Earth in the night sky, Venus is the second brightest object after the moon between Mercury and Earth. Mm-hmm. So it's the second planet out from the sun. It's sometimes called Earth's sister planet.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, it's a terrestrial planet. With It was originally thought to have a much mm-hmm. more similar makeup to Earth than it actually does. Early, in its early stages. That's part of the reason that in a lot of, like, earlier science fiction, you see Venus used as, like, an Earth colony a lot. Nowadays, you usually see, like, if someone's going to terraform a planet in science fiction, it's usually Mars. But it used to be Venus mm-hmm. before we discovered a lot of... Really gnarly things about Venus's atmosphere.
1: Like the fact that uh, ships, for one thing, when they do land, you know, NASA ships, mm-hmm. they dis- they get destructed in about two yeah, hours. they get just v- they, wrecked. They just melt and get destroyed.
0: <laughs> They're trying to create a new rover, like now, that will actually,
1: like, last long
0: enough for it to be worth sending.
1: Yeah, and part of the reason is because its atmosphere is not friendly. No,
0: it has an extremely dense atmosphere, which is 96% carbon dioxide. Mm-hmm. It's Essentially the greenhouse gas atmosphere.
1: Gone wild. Mm. They said it's like it's gone on steroids. Yeah. It's just crazy. It's, it's an atmosphere of basically soup. Overactive, I think, is one way to, to, to describe, describe it. it. Yeah. yeah. And
0: sort of everything about Venus is
2: overactive. So Venus is yeah. kind of like the William Shatner of planets. It's yes. overactive. <laughs> it's,
0: yes. And and that's true about basically mm. everything about Venus. So yeah. its atmosphere is extremely, extremely dense. The surface atmosphere, the pressure of of the surface atmosphere on Venus is about equal to
1: 3,000 feet below sea level on Earth believe, that's at the surface of Venus I believe some of the adjectives for Venus are fiery and hellish
0: yeah it's a it, it's <laughs> highly volcanically active but in a weird way so by studying the craters on Venus, uh, which is difficult
1: because you got to get through the atmosphere. <laughs> and <laughs> just, then you got to survive for two hours. Yeah, to see them. <laughs>
0: but, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got to survive for two hours and speed as fast as you can, little rover, to get us as much imaging as possible. <laughs> and get it back to Earth uh, before it, you Send it back are before done. you evaporate. Yep. Um, <laughs> so, we've been able to date or to speculatively date some of the craters on Venus, some of which are impact craters and some of which are the result of volcanic activity. And what they've determined. It's very volcanically active, but it sort of happens all at once in phases. <laughs> so there will be a long period of sort of nothing moving on Venus's surface, because as far as we can tell, it doesn't really have active tectonic plates, so it doesn't have a lot of, like, shifting in terms of, like, continents and the things that we that we do.
1: The, the core is iron, right?
0: There's a lot of questions about Venus's core. It's not a dynamo. Mm-hmm. So... Earth's core is a dynamo, which is a lot of science things put together that result in a, a, a strong magnetosphere. Venus has a very, very weak magnetosphere, which is weird combined with its extremely dense atmosphere. Yeah. And we're not sure if it even has. So, so there have been some people speculating, maybe Venus just doesn't have a core? Like, obviously there's a center of Venus, yeah, but maybe not... A core of Venus. Yeah, yeah, Or the way Venus's core is constructed is different from the way we would expect a terrestrial planet's core to be constructed. Yeah,
1: And with all that volcanic activity, there's certainly molten something going on under there.
0: Right. So what happens is there will be long periods of essentially surface level inactivity on Venus with not a lot of uh, geological movement. And then all of a sudden Venus will explode... And a bunch of volcanoes will go off at once and sort of reshape the landscape of Venus very dramatically, and then there will be another long period of dormancy.
2: So it's like Venus gets pissed off every once in a while. Basically.
0: very temperamental. (laughs) Um, They think Venus actually used to have water, that it used to have liquid water on the surface of the planet, but... Through these kind of events, it's all been evaporated out and entered the extremely dense atmosphere. And it could
1: explain why there's clouds of sulfuric acid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. There's, yeah.
0: So there's there's still a lot of questions about how exactly Venus came to this state, <laughs> in part because it's actually really, really hard for us to study it closely and in depth because of the conditions right.
1: of Venus. They do know it's very dry. It's a very dry, hot planet.
0: It's usually described as desert-like in terms of its surface makeup. Uh, It's also isothermal, which means it's sort of the same temperature all the way around. So most... Hot, (laughs) yes. The temperature of Venus is very, very hot. It's Vulcan gone mad. (laughs) (laughs) But most planets, you know, like we talked about Mercury last time, the equator is hotter substantially than the poles. That's not the case for Venus. Nope. Venus is just sort of uniformly hot all over.
1: So, fiery, hellish, uh-huh. hot planet.
0: Yes. It's <laughs> not a place that is human habitable. No. Or that we have any practicable way to make human habitable, despite what earlier science fiction pre-studies of Venus would have, Probably would have told Probably because they could
1: see it so clearly.
0: You could see it really clearly um, and sort of... From a distance, it looks very Earth-like.
1: Until you get
0: to <laughs> the you, hell planet. Until you get there and realize, oh no, nothing about this is inviting This is not at all. friendly. We could not build cities on this. <laughs> Couldn't even build outposts on this. Now, there has been some debate about whether it might be possible to build in-atmosphere stations
1: hmm.
0: on Venus. Because the atmosphere is extraordinarily dense like there's been some speculative science about maybe we could build something in the atmosphere that would be supported by the atmosphere but it would have to be made out
1: of very specific corrosion resistant <laughs> materials otherwise it'll melt in 2 hours yeah i cannot you know stress the enough point. yeah 2 hours <laughs> 2 hours maximum it's not <laughs> Yeah. Is, is the maximum amount of time
0: they've the, been able that, to that get we've been things. able so far to get anything. Like I said, they're trying to build a rover that would last longer.
2: <laughs> Isn't that what the Hubble's for, though? Can't we just point the Hubble <laughs> at yeah, you? Just yeah, just
1: look yeah. from a safe distance. From safe distance, look at the planet. And that's most
0: of the information we have and about Venus is from probes observing it from odd. a distance. <laughs> <laughs> There's a phenomenon which was described in 1643 by a man named Giovanni Battista Riccioli. He calls it ashen light, and it's this phenomenon where from Earth, because of of the way Venus is positioned and its, its axis around the sun, we actually see phases of Venus, similar to phases of the moon. We can see it sort of as a crescent that waxes and wanes over time. Riccioli, in 1643, was observing Venus and saw the dark part of Venus appeared to be emanating some kind of luminescence. Okay. Which, because it's not a star, but a planet, doesn't make a tremendous amount of sense. So there's been a lot of discussion about what that might have been. Venusians. Venusians? So he thought it was... Producing some kind of luminescence. There's been some theories since that it might be lightning Mm. because there have been some indications with some kinds of telemetry and observations of Venus that there might be some kind of weather. In those clouds that Mm -hmm. could produce lightning.
1: Mm -hmm. God, wouldn't that be scary? (laughs) Sulfuric acid and lightning. lightning.
0: But we haven't actually observed lightning on Venus. So there have been crafts that have gone past Venus specifically looking for Venusian lightning and not been able to detect anything. Hmm. But there have been these other... Readings taken that have indicated, well, this would be consistent with the results of a lightning strike. So, is it possible that the ashen light that was described in 1643 was some kind of lightning activity hmm. in the atmosphere that we haven't been able to observably prove the existence of? Or maybe it no longer exists. I mean, maybe that was
2: almost 400 years exactly, ago.
0: Exactly. Potentially, conditions have changed. Right. Um, Although 400 years on a planet's lifetime is fairly small. Fairly. Or there's some theories that maybe the ashen light he saw and that a few other people have described was actually like a comet transversing Venus Mm. or something like that. Or that maybe it's an optical illusion caused by seeing the bright part of Venus against the dark sky and your mind sort of filling in what it expects the rest of that. Could it have also like.
2: been a sun spot, like a sun flare, like been solar, flare. solar flare? It could have
0: been because, because Venus does cross the sun right. um, sometimes in our night sky and casts shadows on the sun sometimes, which look like sunspots. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so it has interactions like that. So there's a lot of mystery about what the
1: ashen light might be. Very cool. Mm. The surface of Venus also has coronae or crowns which are ring-like structures Mm -hmm. that range from roughly 95 to 1,300 miles or 155 to 2,100 kilometers in width. And the scientists believe that they're formed when hot material beneath the crust rose up and warped, essentially, the planet's surface. And then it also has tesserae or tiles that are raised areas in which ridges and valleys are formed, but in different directions.
2: So it looks like a Roman bath floor. Like, Sorry, I like archaeology, so that made fair, more sense to me. Fair
0: enough. Fair enough. Yeah. You but, lose
2: me on the but, planets. Let's talk archaeology. We're good.
0: I don't think they've discovered anything archaeologically on Venus, last. Well, we
2: haven't been there long enough.
0: It's true. <laughs> What's interesting about those is that they're not the results of tectonic movement. Yeah, they're the results of basically the whole surface of Venus becoming temporarily molten and exactly. just moving and just around, shifting and and changing. Thank you for bringing that up because when we say. Occasionally becomes very volcanically active. That sounds to us from Earth mm. like volcanoes erupt, uh-huh. and that's not really what's happening. It's more that all of Venus is becoming a volcano.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, so it's just becoming molten.
1: Yeah, yeah. Basically, I didn't get a chance to really watch it. There's a there's a little video uh, called "The Death of Venus," mm-hmm. basically the sister planet to mm-hmm. Earth. How scientists how it went from
0: probably had water to
1: probably was a habitable planet at Mm -hmm. one point to what it has become now, and the question is obviously if it you know became the something happened to cause Mm -hmm. it. To, to why
0: did the greenhouse gases do
1: what they did exactly why did they go berserk
0: and how do we stop that from happening here exactly
1: so it's a really interesting planet to observe for that reason mm-hmm. just because of the overactivity of the of the greenhouse gas effect well the venusians had not been exactly
0: as much. yeah uh, but we may someday find archaeological Arvin, evidence Arvin of Foss. why those green greenhouse gases went so mad yeah
1: if this is a continuing cycle, you know, eventually maybe it will just become this big, fiery, volcanic. <laughs> just permanently on fire? Yeah. You know, <laughs> there's just nobody, you know, yeah, can say for sure why. It's fascinating, actually. Mm-hmm. It really is a fascinating planet when you actually take the time to read about it and you go, I never would have known that. Holy or thought shit. that about that. Holy shit. Venus is nuts. Especially since it was a sister planet at one time. Because it's only apparently planet size. Right, in terms in of, in terms. Terms of <laughs> planets. But it's uh, apparently only a little bit smaller than the Earth.
0: Yeah, it's very similar in size. Very similar. It's not, like, hypothetically that far outside of, like, a habitable range. Right. Like, there's a there's a habitable band around a sun like ours yeah. where hypothetically, life as we understand it mm-hmm. could
1: exist. But a different kind of life could have, if it had remained habitable, mm-hmm. a different kind of life could have uh, developed there. Right.
2: doesn't have to be a carbon-based life form.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Again, I, I understand why science fiction writers and, and stuff thought yeah, it like, came from Venus. Yes. Let me just we
0: say, though,
2: that Manfred Mann and the Earth Band song... <laughs> Blinded by the light has nothing to do with Venus. No. It has to do with the fact that man for man can't fucking pronounce shit.
1: That's true. <laughs>
2: so he needed dictiness, apparently,
0: because... <laughs> needed dictiness in his life. Finn is suggesting that we break with tradition and first do... Cars, feast, table. Cars, feast,
2: table. I really wished everybody was on vocals so they could see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do the Cars, feast, table thing. I went a little with the uh, theme. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing a capazzole di Verne.
1: He's on brand. Which on. is also known as Nipples of Venus. I've actually seen a picture of these <laughs> and I'd heard of them before. Years ago. So Reminder
0: yeah. that we are an explicit podcast.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so you need 12 ounces or 340 grams of good quality bittersweet chocolate, chopped. 16 ounces or 459 grams of canned whole chestnuts, drained six <laughs> tablespoons or 84 grams of unsalted softened butter, a half a cup. I'm gonna let you all figure it out the grams of sugar, an eighth of a teaspoon of salt, a quarter of a cup of brandy or more.
0: <laughs> brandy to taste,
2: <laughs> yes, one mm-hmm. teaspoon of vanilla extract, and 12 ounces of good quality white chocolate, unless you're my mother. In which case, you don't make this because you don't believe in white chocolate. <laughs> a dash of powdered red food coloring.
1: Okay. Don't use Not the liquid, the liquid
2: or the gel um, because it makes white chocolate hard and grainy. Okay. So you'll wanna use the powdered stuff. So basically, you're going to take the bittersweet chocolate in a heat proof bowl, place the bowl over a saucepan making a double boiler so if you own a double boiler you don't need the bowl and the saucepan you can just use your double boiler But and you're going to melt that chocolate down making sure that no water touches the chocolate because water and chocolate don't fucking mix. Stir constantly until it's almost melted remove it from the heat and then stir the chocolate until it's completely melted and set it aside. In a food process you're going to pulsate the chestnuts until they're pureed. Okay. Leave that alone. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Using a handheld mixer or standing mixer, beat the sugar and the butter together until it's light and fluffy. takes about three minutes. Mix in the chestnuts, the salt, the vanilla extract, and the brandy to taste. It says, what did I say, half a cup? Uh, No, quarter a cup of brandy? Yeah, fuck that. You need at least half. You're going to scoop out tablespoon-sized pieces of the chocolate mixture, roll them into balls, and place the chocolate balls on the baking sheet. Everybody okay so far? (laughs) And then you're going to place it, the baking sheet... In the freezer, okay? Okay. You're going to put place tw- 10 ounces of white chocolate in a heat-proof bowl. You're going to reserve the remaining of it for tempering and coloring. Uh, place the bowl over a saucepan, simmering water. Again, stir it till it's melted. Use a candy thermometer. When it reaches 105 degrees Fahrenheit, remove the bowl from the heat. Stir in an ounce of the reserved white chocolate until completely smooth. Allow it to cool and thicken just a bit. Remove the chocolate balls from the freezer and carefully drizzle a tablespoon's worth, give or take, of the white chocolate over each ball and set aside to harden. Okay?
1: Okay.
2: <laughs> you're going to melt the remaining one ounce of white chocolate and then you're going to move it from the heat. You're going to stir in a very small amount of the powder- powdered red food coloring until you get the color you desire. Let the colored white chocolate cool for about 10 minutes. Then put it into a piping bag, cut off the tip, and dot each of your white truffles with a pink nipple. <laughs>
1: Oh my God! Some of the comments in the, <laughs> the Discord
2: are cracking. That's why I did not even have the Discord open during that. I was like, I'm not doing it. Oh, oh my
1: man. God! You are all a bunch of naughty, naughty people. <laughs> 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 oh my God! And yes, uh, Kitty was right. These were. That's how I. That's where I remember the reference from. It was an Amadeus.
2: It was indeed an in Amadeus. Yes. They yep.
1: didn't show
0: us that part when I watched it in class.
2: <laughs> really?
1: Uh-uh. Oh my huh. God.
2: There you go. Phew. That's it for Carstreet's table.
1: Nickels of penis. <laughs> <Nipples> of penis. <laughs> Does sound good. Would be great for a bachelorette party. Yep.
2: <laughs> they're actually, or a bachelor party. They're actually delicious.
1: Or just a party. <laughs> <laughs> to, the, the candy we the candy. just made is delicious. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, go, yeah. Move uh, on. Uh, Moving on. Moving <laughs> on
2: put the nipples on the balls. I'm just
0: saying, uh. I'm just saying if you're going to have a recipe for something called nipples of Venus. <laughs> These Why are would you the call Italians. them Why would you call them balls instead of spheres? I don't know. <laughs> Like, if you want to avoid the not safe for work implications, the word sphere is right there. People are saying,
2: just remember your safe word when making these.
1: <laughs> uh. Melty balls and nips. Oh yep. my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Again, uh, just a reminder, we are an explicit podcast. <laughs> well, Usually not quite this explicit. But <laughs> <laughs> We've been worse than this. That's true. <laughs> That's true.
0: Let That's us true. not forget the cheesy bread.
1: Oh, oh the yeah.
0: cheesy bread.
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Which was going to late addition. The, the white... After telling us to stop. Right, yeah. <laughs> well, it just made sense to use white cheddar. <laughs> in the dick bread. I mean, come on. All right.
2: Justin mm. said we ought to serve uh, them with melons.
0: Serve them oh, with melons. Oh, there you go. And with dick bread. And right, dick yeah. Bread. If, you're gonna, if you're gonna, you might as well go all in.
1: Go all in, man. <laughs> One of the things that I thought interesting about Venus mm-hmm. is that, just like Mercury, it was considered two separate stars, Yes. a morning star and an evening star, and the morning star was called Vesper, and the evening star was called Lucifer. I just thought that was really interesting that not only was Mercury a morning, a and, morning an evening and evening star, star, but also so was Venus. Yep. So Lucifer
2: was called the evening star?
1: Yes, mm. which
2: is funny because the Bible refers to him as the morning, the morning,
1: star. morning star. Yes, yes. yeah. Mm. But yeah, according to what I what I read, he was uh, the Lucifer. The, the, was the evening name star of the evening was called Lucifer. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Although Those Lucifer things. just means
1: light or light bearer. Yes. And Vesper, uh, the morning star, that's where the Roman Catholic Church got the vespers, vespers. Yes. vespers <laughs> yeah. was because of the morning star, uh, I assume, which was
0: Venus. I assume by tradition you did them when you could see the star. Probably, yeah. yeah. Because it's the second brightest object in our sky, you can actually see it in daytime sometimes. It's sometimes mistaken for like a satellite. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you see like a bright spot in the sky, even when the sun is out, that's actually... It's not a satellite or an airplane or anything. That's that's just Venus. Yep. Yep. So,
2: would that be why some people say there's a satellite of love, but they actually mean Venus?
0: Is this another song?
2: No. Well, maybe. I don't know.
0: (laughs) You, you delivered that the exact same way you deliver you,
1: you, lyric you jokes. You did, so we. So did. I assume it's based on the song. I don't.
2: Kitty H says it is a song. Apparently it's a song oh, okay, stuck well, in my head.
1: That is how you how you roll.
0: So okay. Yeah. I, I don't know. I've never heard Satellite of Love before. Okay. This is why I was assuming it was a lyric from a song I didn't know.
2: Apparently it's Lou Reed. Oh,
1: um, good okay. to know. Different cultures had different beliefs about Venus, the planet. Mm-hmm. Obviously, um, and it was often associated with disasters. And sacrifices were made to calm its fury. Yes.
0: In ancient Babylon, it was associated with Inanna, mm. who is a goddess with, um. let's describe her as intemperate, <laughs> who, who could be very good to have on your side and also very, very bad mm. to have hate you. Yeah, yeah. And Inanna deciding that she hated you Could happen at any time. Um, So Venus was associated with her, um, in part because it had that sort of weird position in the sky where it's sort of constantly moving in an irregular pattern. Which is actually, so the path that Venus takes from Earth, if you chart Venus's path through the sky with Earth in the center of that chart, it creates what's called the pentagram of Venus. Mm which sort of looks like, like a spirogram. You know, those little yeah. things you used to... I spirograph. Used to have one. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it looks like sort of the result of a spirograph, but it creates this little five-petaled flower center in the shape and then a bunch of overlapping circles. It's a really interesting shape. But that's just literally the path that Venus appears to take mm-hmm. through our sky from our position on Earth. I find it really interesting, and I wonder if people... I haven't been able to find... De- definitively, whether people mm-hmm. are using the pentagram of Venus for Venusian magic. Right. But it seems to me really logical that they should be if they're yeah, not. Very, very true. Because it, it's
1: literally describing the path of the planet. Yeah. Venus was considered by many cultures to be just as important as the sun or the moon, probably mm-hmm. because it was very bright, very bright and visible, and maybe because of the way it moved. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it was uh, the morning and evening star. It was associated with the goddess Eos as the morning star. <sighs> but interestingly, I did not know this, it is also associated with the two torches of Hakati. Oh, interesting. As morning and evening star. Interesting. So, yeah, I thought that was very, very Interesting. Especially with the the fiery connotation.
0: (laughs) Yes. Especially since that was before we knew that Venus was entirely
1: made Uh out of fire. Uh But I can only assume because it's so bright that that's how it was associated with with fire because of that.
0: A lot of cultures didn't realize it was one planet. They thought it was two individual objects.
1: Right. Because of the way it would move Mm and plants and things that are associated. There's like a fucking list
2: so why don't you go through some of the plants and then we'll do this thing where you talk about Mm -hmm. plants
1: okay well we can do that some of the plants include uh alkanet american alder persimmon almond ambrosia is ambrosia a plant there is a there is an ambrosia plant amazing asparagus baby's breath beans bergamot birch bishop's weed bitter melon bramble blackberry cardamom cashew cat's foot i mean you get the idea there's a there's a all a through z there there's a fuck ton of plants is that there, are associated is there, what's with in Venus. the v's in anything my, in my heart i still wonder how they come up with these but there is something in the v's
2: <laughs> yes and justin just said watch out
1: Gwen. it's, it's a trap, a trap.
2: <laughs> it's time for
1: gwyn's garden gems Thank you for that, Justin. Because yes, I am indeed going to talk about the Venus flytrap today. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't originally going to talk about Venus flytrap because I thought, you know, obvious. But then Carr talked about, you know, nipples, nipples of Venus. So nipples nipples Venus, Venus, so I thought,
2: eh, what the heck? And little chocolate balls.
1: <laughs> yes. So uh, Venus flytrap, Dionaea muscipula, which actually means mousetrap. <laughs> In in Latin, then why um, do we call it a fly trap? That well, because mice are too big for it to catch. Well, here and let me tell you why. Okay, so the thing about carnivorous plants is they do kind of blur the lines between animal and plant, but they don't necessarily eat meat. Like you know, you see people like get, feeding hamburgers. Uh-huh, that's beans. not going to work. That's actually going to kill the plant. Yeah, because what they need is insect and bug protein. Yep. <laughs> but anyway, it basically waits for its prey to enter its trap and so that it can then trap it and slowly consume and digest it i mean it's it's yeah it's
0: it's basically like it has like a pool of stomach acid basically right
1: (laughs) kind of it's evolved to get its uh, nutrients from bugs rather than the soil so it actually has roots that are very delicate Mm -hmm. and they're not equipped to process nitrogen or the various types of of uh, chemicals and and nutrients minerals. and minerals that you find in soil. In fact, fertilizer will harm the plant. If you have a Venus flytrap and you try to give it food or, or plant you know, food, that you is would, not for no, Venus you, don't, you don't do that. And in fact, um, if you have a Venus flytrap plant, you actually avoid potting mix. Anything rich, anything with added Just put nutrients. Put it in bad soil. No, actually, the the best, according to what I've read, is you put in half peat moss and half perlite. Mm-hmm. That way, it has both good drainage and absorption of water. But you either want to give it distilled water, filtered water, or collected rainwater. Hmm. You don't want to give it water from a tap, um, because it's chemicals. It chemicals. The medium does need to be moist and not dry. And it does need full sunlight. Some people think that it does okay in diffuse or in in shade light, but it it actually needs full direct sun. It does not need extra humidity, but occasionally misting it is fine. Its growing period is from March to October. And then from October to March, it is best to let it go fallow and uh, to rest during that like three to five month period so it'll look like it's dead Right, (laughs) but But it's just dormant it's just dormant and you want to keep it in a in a cool place not a place that's like cold you would want to keep it like in a a basement and you're bound to have more flies in your basement well and that's the thing they don't actually really eat flies they actually eat spiders and ants primarily which we also have in our basement yes (laughs) it won't feed during that time period. Right. It'll only... It, but they said one of the things that's useful about having a Venus flytrap in your in your house is that it will...
0: Control uh, your spider
1: population. Control your spider and yeah. ant population because you don't actually have to feed it. It, it will draw enough. There's enough... You know, in most homes, there are mm-hmm. enough insect bugs or whatever uh, to feed the plant itself. Right, and the
0: plant attracts. Yeah, it has
1: uh, enzymes and sugars and yeah. things that attract the the prey, if you will, <laughs> to it. But here was what I thought was really cool: it's actually just two little hairs inside the trap mm-hmm. that cause it to snap shut. Yeah, when they're they're like trigger wires, basically. Yes, basically, and it happens in 0.1 seconds which essentially is light speed in the plant world (laughs) didn't try to trick the plant into into closing Mm -hmm. just to for entertainment because you're you're wasting its resources you're actually causing injury to the plant because it does take a lot of energy for it to close and if it's doing that and not receiving any nutrients then it's wasted energy it'll die and it'll eventually harm the plant you can feed it manually but Again, you don't have to, and really do not, you know, a lot of, you'll see people like trying to feed it hamburger and stuff, mm-hmm. and do not feed it actual meat. It, it really it's, does. It's not so much a carnivorous plant as an insectivorous plant. Yes, exactly. So it, it needs ants, it's spiders, and, and it actually senses and knows when it has its particular prey that it wants in it. So if something crosses its path and hits those little hairs, those hairs that uh, is not... That is exact. not what it would feed on, it will not close. Huh. It 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 knows it's prey. It knows when it's got f- a food source. Interesting.
2: Mm-hmm. Rabbit's been giving all kinds of information, but one of the things they said is if it doesn't completely close and form a seal, it'll digest itself.
1: Mm-hmm. Woof. So yeah, so you don't want to tease the plant. <laughs> uh, and you don't want to try to force it to open when it does close. Right, because it's it's because doing that. <laughs> it's it's feeding. And it does take uh I think up to five days or something like that. For it to uh, finish. For it to finish. And then it will naturally open when it's ready. It does have little tiny white flowers. Mm-hmm. You trim those back, you'll get those interesting trap. Mm-hmm portions of the plant, which is what attracts most people. Right. It's what people right. are not
0: getting a Venus flytrap for the flowers. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
1: yeah. They're they're interesting little plants. I always thought they were kind of creepy. <laughs> yes, but yeah. you like little shovel horrors, me. Yeah, it's yeah. like a say. really big
2: version of
1: Except, if, except Audrey Yeah, right. except Audrey was a space plant that eight <laughs> people.
2: Yeah, but yeah, point. no,
1: I was thinking exactly the same thing. It always did creep me out, and it may be because of little shop of horrors. Mm-hmm. But no, it's it's you know, one of a whole bunch a whole range. There's a whole range of yeah. Carnivorous, plants. Yeah, and, carnivorous yeah. plants that are really pretty fascinating. Yeah. But this is one you can have in your home. And it will help with your pest problem right. <laughs> if you have pests
2: so that's it for Queen's garden
0: gems swan says so besides watering mildly i do
1: nothing does it pay rent too <laughs> yeah that's no you know yeah you really don't want to overwater it if you feel like you need to feed it occasionally i suppose if it's if it's open uh, but otherwise, I'd leave it to its own devices. I mean, yeah, I would just yeah. leave it to its own yeah. devices. Make period. sure it gets plenty of sun, that its soil is well, What are you going to do? Like, grab Unless a, it an says, antler.
2: feed me, Seymour. Then you get then rid you of can, it. Yeah. In
1: which case, you have you have another problem. You, then right, yes. you have a, an, an alien plant that is going to consume the world. Right. Or you have a triffid, which is equally <laughs> as bad. To uh-huh, yeah. had <laughs> said, in that case, run! Yes, <laughs> then you run.
0: I do first want to cover just um, sort of the astrological significance of Venus, the planet. Yeah. Although it's all exactly what you think it is. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Based on the associations you may have with the deity. Mm -hmm. It's all like love and beauty and romance and a little bit of creativity. Dance, I found, was for some reason really associated with Venus astrologically.
1: See, here I found, and this was including astrological as well as uh, planetary stuff Mm -hmm. harmony, balance, feelings and affection, sympathy and unity, which I thought was interesting. Mm -hmm. Obviously, sensuality and pleasure and things of that nature. Exactly. Personal possessions. Wealth,
0: I I guess. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, Marriage and business relationships. Okay. Garden magic which I thought was interesting, and creative arts were just a few.
0: I bet that's a Earth's sister planet, formerly thought to be a garden
1: planet. And Gemma says it rules in Taurus.
0: Yes, and
1: one other Libra, maybe, question mark? Very interesting. So it's not just what you would expect from the goddess of love and beauty, but it's uh, very...
0: Basically, when I I looked at multiple sources... I found that the ones that overlapped were the ones I expected. And the arts seemed so yeah. to sort of be another... Yeah, creative um, arts. ...association with, with the planet and working with the planet mm-hmm. Venus.
1: What I found about the goddess, she obviously was the goddess of love and beauty, the counterpart of Aphrodite, mm-hmm. um, who was the goddess of love and beauty in the Greek pantheon. Mm-hmm. Um, she, but Venus, was also famous for stirring passions among the gods. Yes. Which also would probably include war. <laughs> Yeah, and conflict the
0: the gods when their passions are stirred get up to some shit. Yeah, yeah.
1: So I, it seems to me that there's a lot. She's she runs hot and cold in the.
0: No, I would say she runs always hot. Always hot. It's That's just true. a
1: question of which direction yeah. that heat is going. True, true. But so, but I think also a lot of these uh, associations with harmony and and uh, which I find interesting the creative arts, marriage relationships and things like that. Those astrological associations are also associated with the deity herself.
0: Rhiannon Gray says classic Aphrodite was a straight war goddess. Mm. And that's true. We actually have seen this happen with a lot of the Greek and Roman um, goddesses in particular.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, And the same thing has happened a lot with the, the Norse goddesses as well. We've seen them sort of have their teeth filed down. Yeah, typical. Yeah, over time. Uh, and if you go back and look at the, at their older mythology, mm-hmm. you can see them, you know, really using their power for, I don't want to say evil, but <laughs> well, for maybe. for retribution, hostility. The ancient sort of conception of love, I think, differed mm-hmm. from how we treat love as a concept now in the modern day. I think there was more
1: lust involved. For one Well, thing. there was,
0: yeah, but, but I mean... Like, now we think of love as being mostly a positive thing. True. Right? Like, true. as a thing that sort of enriches your life and improves your circumstances and makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. In a lot of the ancient world, love was basically a form of madness mm-hmm. that could ruin your life. And in a lot of stories, did.
1: Yeah, well, like Melkor was bringing out, which I think was more associated with the Aphrodite, not Venus, but the uh, the Trojan War. Mm-hmm. You know, it was because of jealousies stoked by the goddess of love.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and, and And it wouldn't even just be like Aphrodite stirred the pot and a war broke out mm. and that wasn't necessarily her fault. It would be like Aphrodite made Helen mm. this unbelievably attractive woman. Mm-hmm. right that every man that every committed. that
1: that that these yeah. two these two kings especially. kings wanted
0: and she wasn't doing that just like because she wanted Helen to find the perfect man no, right no, like no. she was specifically causing like intentionally causing yeah yeah exactly <laughs> chaos and strife. um and and in a lot of the ancient world that was true and I think part of that is because of the way like marriage mores have changed Mm-hmm. It used to be really common for your marriage to be political or to be mm-hmm. arranged for you by your family. And
1: so like falling in love and marrying for love was not really on the cards. Well, and I hate to fall to a you know, to a line from from Hercules the TV show. <laughs> but you're going <laughs> the legendary to legendary adventures. But when they opened, one of the things they, they talk about was the fact that uh, it was a time when the gods were capricious. At the, and uh, they were the mm-hmm. gods of ancient Greece and Rome and all of the mythologies. They are very capricious, and a lot of times they're stirring shit because they want to because see... because they're bored because they're <laughs> bored and they want to see humans jump. I mean, you Pretty know much, yeah. <laughs> I mean, let let's just be honest about it. So I I think that's what we we do see. So and I and like you said, I do think it's because their conception was different from mm-hmm. ours today. They they just lived in a sort of a different the, reality. Yeah, the people lived in a very different reality. And so their stories and their deities reflect that. Mm-hmm.
2: I would say the gods are still capricious. We just don't pay as much attention to them.
0: Bingo. Because, mm-hmm. like,
2: right now, Finn can't post. Like, in the chat. Oh. Finn's having all kinds of, like, discord issues. Uh-huh. It's a god fucking with Finn, well, well deservedly I assume. But I think it's just that we don't pay enough attention
0: yeah. to mm-hmm. what they're
2: doing around us, and we assume it's something we've done because we're a haughty people. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: well, good so word and very correct. <laughs> and Gemma makes a good point because the deities, the gods and goddesses, are people just you know on a much bigger yeah. scale. Yeah. Yep. So they have their foibles and they're yeah. they're. Personal interests. Their personal interests, their their characteristics and traits, Mm -hmm. some of which are just contentious. Contentious (laughs) on a massively global scale. Well some
2: (laughs) let's be honest. Some gods are just assholes. And that's
0: okay. Absolutely true. Yes. (laughs) Because they're gods. Uh And I think part of this is because like it is, a ta- it, it is related to Venus, the planet, because yeah. we all look at Venus and are like, ooh, it's pretty
1: but, from a distance. Yeah, But then exactly. you get
0: up close and, and
1: it destroys you. It'll destroy you. In fact, Steph also has a really good point, going back to like Helen mm-hmm. of Troy and stuff. Most things started by someone said that someone was more beautiful or gifted than Aphrodite and a lot of writing clumps jealousy into love and madness. And that's yes. very, very true. Especially,
0: but, and that's, that's partly because of the, a point... During Greek culture, where stoicism was highly valued, right, having and and expressing an emotion as intense as romantic
1: love mm-hmm. was really unseemly. And there are a lot of stories about Aphrodite slash Venus who um, gets pissed off because some, woman, some mortal, <laughs> some mortal woman is declared to be more beautiful or mm-hmm. lovely than the goddess of love and beauty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And she don't and like And she that. would say, prove it! Yeah. <laughs> Let me help you not prove it. Yeah. is what she really did. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Doesn't mean we don't honor and love our deities. Right. But it means that we accept the truth about them and right. are realistic. We, ag- we
0: acknowledge their complexities. Yeah, we right. acknowledge and I think their that's, complexities. And especially for goddesses, I think that gets sort of glossed
1: okay. over. It does. It does. And it also... And especially
0: um, for goddesses like Aphrodite uh, or Venus, who in the modern day have these... Associations with just sort of they've they've been gentled a lot. Yeah,
1: yeah. These goddesses are fierce. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because, as Car was saying, you know, our attitudes are different today. Right. We re- we respond and react with them differently today. I've I've had workings with Aphrodite you know, in the past. Not much. I think I was present when she was summoned at a ritual once, and it was very powerful. Yeah, it's, she's very powerful. But she's a I, big presence when she shows up. She's also someone you don't want to cross. Yeah, you now. <laughs> know, they're deities, mm-hmm. and just like with the with the gods as well. I mean, and I think, like you said, sometimes we try to take the teeth out of the the goddess or gloss them over, mm-hmm. or you know, these different goddesses, these different deities, especially the the female ones or the it, it's or
0: or even just the ones who are associated with. Concepts we don't th- yeah that we don't think of as dangerous or that we don't value highly
1: right exactly like,
0: Cupid doesn't get a whole lot of shrift in modern society no but
1: Cupid <laughs> is hardcore man
0: Cupid Cupid caused a whole <laughs> lot of problems oh, a whole, as well whole lot of
1: problems I think we just need to get to a place where we're we're honest love and we honor our deities those of us who serve or right. Work with them and work with them, or are devoted to them. But we got to be honest about their, about who we're dealing about with. who we're dealing with and their mythologies, and mm-hmm. not try to Disney-fy them.
0: Yeah, Disney's Hercules has so much to answer for. Yeah.
1: we got to not <laughs> Disneyfy our deities and infantilize. So yeah, grand and, and infantilize. Yeah. We need to accept them as they are. I mean, yes, we're going to have different uh, UPG Mm -hmm. and different VPG, you know, for modern sensibilities. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't take away from how the Greeks and the Romans and the Babylonians and the Egyptians and all the, and the Celts and all these different cultures, the the Norse, the ancient peoples. It doesn't change how they interacted or recorded their stories.
0: Rashala says, we've reduced so many of the ancient deities to surface level shells of themselves. Oh, that's really true. That's yeah. really
1: true. It's time for Odes
2: Stone
0: Corner!
2: <laughs> Thank you, Kai.
0: I did not go with the theme today. I just picked a rock I like. <laughs> so today we're going to talk Wait, about. Is
2: it a rock you love? Uh... Is it
0: a pink rock? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, unless it is fake. Oh, okay. <laughs> so we'll talk about that too. So today uh, I'm gonna be talking about bornite. B-O-R-N-I-T-E. Oh, I
2: thought you said bornite. Nope.
0: Bornite is a copper iron sulfide mineral. It is an ore of copper. It's about sixty three percent copper by mass, so that's its primary use function. It's sometimes called peacock ore because although when it is initially exposed it is a reddish brown coppery color shortly after uh, exposure to surface and various elements it will tarnish to an iridescent purple blue color. The reason I say if you find a pink one it's probably fake is that bornite almost always iridesces to a dark purple blue. When you find something being sold as peacock ore, especially if it's not specifically being sold as bornite, but as peacock ore, it is often actually a chalcopyrite, which is another copper ore, which has been rapidly tarnished with the application of acid so that it displays a wider range of colors. So if you want genuine bornite, you want it to be iridescent in a blue-purple range on sort of a black material. Any wider range than that, and you're probably not looking at actual bornite. It
1: might go a little bit into green, but very rarely. And you did say copper is one of the elements in it? Yes, it is. It's
0: 63% copper by mass.
1: Then you are on topic, because I read somewhere, I don't remember where, that copper is one of the associated elements of Venus. Oh, I didn't even know. Yeah, so you're good. Spectacular.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Synchronicity. Bornite is a mose three, Ooh. so it's very soft, uh, brittle,
1: so it wouldn't be good for jewelry.
0: No, and you'll very rarely see it placed in, in any kind of jewelry. It's it's mostly found in a massive form, so in sort of big irregularly shaped clumps, and it doesn't hold up very well to machining, which is why, like I said, it's mostly used as an ore. Its associations magically are. Traditionally, things like joy and luck, some people say that it can sort of transmute negative energy into positive energy, but I disagree. <laughs> I think what Bornite actually does is renewal as a process, mm-hmm. which is not actually sort of the transformation of one energy into another, necessarily. It's the rejuvenating of The energy as it already stands, right? So if you bring bornite into a space with negative energy, it's not going to Transform that negative energy into positive energy. You'll still need to clear out that negative energy first But the bornite will sort of pick up trace positive energy and renew it. also good for Intuition and spiritual exploration, I guess. I wouldn't say it's necessarily a journeying stone, but it's sort of nice to have around if you are considering your options spiritually, like if you're going to be reaching out to a new deity or... If you're looking at maybe changing your path or something like that, um, it's a good transition stone, I think, for supporting that sort of thing, supporting that process.
2: So that's it for Odes Stone Corner! That's it for this episode. Then yeah, right? I
0: think so. I think all right, I think so we if
2: you wanna, in. I'm sorry, I kept talking over you. Go ahead.
1: That's okay. I was just saying. Do I we have that's... any? Oh, that is <laughs> there? I'm like, damn, <laughs> is it? Are we really done?
2: I said, I was talking all over you. Sorry, and started talking again, and you started talking over them, and I was <laughs> like, <laughs> but
1: I'm like, what? oh, I was like, oh my god, we are done. How that really. I'm surprised. Listen, I think Venus is cool as hell. Yeah, I do too. And so I encourage you guys do some more research into Venus as a planet, as a deity, as an astrological, astrological symbol. symbol. We didn't have
0: a retrograde rant to go on,
1: but apparently today. there is a Venus retrograde, and it does yeah. apparently affect relationships. Is what I'm reading.
0: You done? Yep.
2: Are you done?
1: No. <laughs>
0: she's just saying that to be
1: contrary she is done yes yes I'm done go ahead
2: (laughs) All right. so you're both done is what I'm saying Mm -hmm. yes we're both done so if you'd like to find out more information about us you can find us on Google and it'll tell you everywhere else that you can find us our Patreon, our Facebook our Discord every podcast service out there
0: The the Patheos
2: blog Instagram for some of us not others YouTube. TikTok for some of us not others YouTube that gets updated irregularly <laughs> yeah yeah so we're basically everywhere we on the interwebs you can find yeah
1: yeah you can find us if you google yep and again we love all of you we love engaging with you on Facebook and Discord and getting your messages and your all feedback yeah yep. we love we love all of you alright that's it yep I think that's all right. it alright so I can hit stop yep. yes because I'm okay. just going to ramble otherwise yep